Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. The Bible reads, I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. And your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. This is the word of the Lord. This is God's promises. I want you to cling on, on the word of God. This is what God is saying. He says that I would make your walls, your pinnacles of rubies, your gates shall be made of crystal. That is some level of prosperity. Somebody shout hallelujah. I would make your gates of crystal and your walls of precious stones and your children my children, your children shall be taught by the Lord and a great shall be the peace of your children. Tonight, this, before this fasting comes to an end, there shall be an end to any struggles with your children in the name of Jesus Christ. Your children that does not serve God shall come to the knowledge of God in the name of Jesus. Your runaway kids are returning back home in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout hallelujah and let your amen roar like thunder. They are coming home. My children are coming home. My children are coming home in the name of Jesus. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be established. I will be established in righteousness. You shall be established in righteousness. Your children shall be established in righteousness. Your home shall be established in righteousness. The Bible says that for you shall be far from oppression. Anything that is represents oppression comes to an end. It falls off from your life tonight in the name of Jesus. Anything that looks like an oppression, anything that looks like oppression of the devil, falls off from your life tonight in Jesus' name. If you receive it, shout out, receive it. Hallelujah. Oppression shall fall shall be far from you. You shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear. Lift up your right hand and say from tonight I declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I shall not fear. For God has not given me the spirit of fear but of love and of power and of the soundness of mind. In the name of Jesus Fear loses my address for good. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, clap your hands and give the Lord praise. You shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear. And from terror. For it shall not come near you. You are... Lift up your right hand. And begin to pray. Begin to declare, Father... In the name of Jesus, you are in fourth word. Begin to declare in the name of Jesus, I am exempted from terror. From tonight, I am exempted from terror. 
in the name of Jesus. Now lift up your voice and begin to pray. I am exempted from terror in the name of Jesus. Terror shall be far from me in the name of Jesus. For when men say there is a casting down, I shall lift up my hands and declare that there is a lifting up in the name of Jesus. He Oh Lord, I thank you that I that terror has lost my address in the name of Jesus. Terror shall be far from me in the name of Jesus. The Bible said, and from terror it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of you. So when the enemy goddess to plan, it wouldn't be because of you. Because your life is hidden in Christ Jesus. When the enemy looks for an attack, they shall not find you in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Indeed, they shall surely assemble but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Somebody make some noise and rejoice for whoever assembles because of you, they shall fall for your sake. You see, you see this year 2024, you should, you should go to bed and sleep. Shouldn't be worried about the devil because the Lord has already taken care of him. The Lord has already taken care of him. The Lord has already taken care of him. If you are in Fort Worth, I want you to make some noise and rejoice for the Lord has gone before you and he has taken care of every enemy against your life. Somebody rejoice in the Lord. The Bible says that whoever they shall assemble but it will not be because of you. And whoever got this for your sake, Whoever meets to plan evil, they shall fall for your sake in the name of Jesus. It says that, behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created a spoiler to destroy. But look at this, verse 17, that popular verse everybody knows. For no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue, every tongue, every tongue that shall rise up against thee, in judgment shall I condemn. For this is the heritage. It is my heritage. It is your heritage. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And in their righteousness is from the Lord. I want you to lift up your hands and begin to thank God. That Father, in this year 2024, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper in the name of Jesus. Now lift up your voice and begin to pray. This year, no weapon, no weapon of poverty, no weapon of sickness, no weapon of backwardness, no weapon of backsliding, no weapon of the enemy that is formed against me shall prosper in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Lift up your right hand to heaven. 
I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the salvation of my soul. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my family and friends. I thank you for my church. Lord, I thank you for how far you have brought us. Lord, I know that I could never have come this far without your help. I know that I could have never come this far if it had not been for the Lord. For the Bible says that it's not to him who wills, nor to him who runs. But it is God that shows mercy. I want you to open up your mouth and express your thanks and your gratitude unto the Lord tonight. If you believe that this is the doing of the Lord, that it is God that has bring you this far, just lift up your voice and give him thanks. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In fourth word, give thanks to the Lord. Where would we be if it had not been for the Lord? For his mercies endure forever. And great is his faithfulness. We give you thanks, Lord. Yapando Soloko, E Kala Delebe, Azalaba, E Kala Rabose, E Keteleba, Mampampaya, E Seleketeleba, Andelegadosa, E Kala Rabosa, Zantalabosa, E Kepela Labosa, Antolo Soko, just give him thanks, just give him thanks, Yandalaboseleka, Lord, I thank you for health, Lord, I thank you for life, Lord, I thank you for my family, Lord, I thank you for the relationship. Relationships, good relationships that you have surrounded me with. Lord, I thank you. I kalalaba chatolo zelegedosha antelebelegedosha i kapapa. I thank you that I am plotting and establishing your house. I kaloso. I thank you for sending Jesus, your Holy Son, to die for me. I andalabosha azandelebe ekelelebe i manta zelosha kapantolo godosha i kelepanta. Azandelebe, Yelebebe, Yelebebe, Ikalaraba, Ampantelebe, Isekelebe, Sandologadosa, Ikepandalagadosa, Azandalabosa, Ikelebebe, Andelebebe, Apampa, Apandelebe, Ikelebebe, Antolobodosa, Ikapampa, Azandalaba, Ikadose, Yezendelebaha, Azekelebe. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. How many of you believe that it is by the mercies of God we are where we are? Hallelujah. Lift up your hands to heaven. I want you to lift up your right hand to heaven and open up your heart unto the Lord. Say, Lord, I thank you for the love. I thank you for grace. I thank you for peace and wisdom. I thank you for favor. And many other blessings you have bestowed on me. I thank you for your generosity towards me. 
and always providing for me. Lift up your voice and begin to give thanks to God in Pittsburgh, in Fort Worth. Lift up your voice and begin to give thanks to God for his generosity towards you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your generosity. I thank you for always providing for me. I thank you for your grace and your peace. Oh Lord, I thank you for your generosity, for always providing for me, for always meeting my needs, for always doing exceedingly, abundantly more than I can think or even imagine. I thank you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your generosity towards this church. Lord, I thank you for your generosity towards our families. I thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Father, we exalt you tonight. Just continue to pray. Don't stop praying. Father, we exalt you tonight. Father, we exalt you tonight. Father, you are worthy to be praised. Father, we exalt you tonight. 
Bible said that a sleeping dog, a sleeping dog is better than a dead lion. So which means that as long as there is breath in your lungs, as long as you are alive, as long as you are alive, there is still a chance as long as you are alive. I want you to just, with gratitude in your heart, because let me tell you this, the Bible said it's not to him who runs, nor to him who wills, but it is God that shows mercy. You know, somebody who said, yeah, but I've been believing God for X, Y, Z, and the Lord hasn't done it. Let me tell you this, you are alive. I want you with sincerity in your heart. Just open up your heart and begin to give thanks to God for health. Say, Lord, I thank you that I am not dead, but I am alive. That I live to testify the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, Lord, I thank you that I'm alive. Just lift up your voice in, in Fort Worth. Lift up your voice. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life. I thank you that I'm alive tonight. Father, I thank you that I'm alive. I thank you for divine health. I thank you for divine health. I thank you for the health of my wife, my children. I thank you for the health of my co-laborers. I thank you for divine health in this church. I thank you for the miracles of your healing power that has been breaking out in this church. We thank you that you are the Lord that heals. We give you praise. We give you honor. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands to heaven. I want you to pray this prayer of consecration. Say, Lord, help me to draw closer to you more than ever before. Lord, help me to draw closer to you more than ever before. Please open my heart to receive more from you with each passing day this year. I want you to ask God, Lord, help me to draw closer to you and please open my heart to receive more from you each day throughout this year in the name of Jesus.
I want you to talk to God. Lord, please draw me closer to you more than ever before. The Bible says that draw nearer to the Lord and the Lord shall help. Let me tell you this. Lord, oh God, I want to be closer to you. For they that know their God, they shall be strong. Your strength comes from your closeness to God. Lift up your voice and pray, Lord, draw me closer to you more than ever before. And please help me to open my heart in the name of Jesus. Open my heart to receive more from you throughout this year in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray. Father, draw me closer to you more than ever before in the name of Jesus. I want to be closer to you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to be more closer to you in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, draw me closer to you throughout this year and open my heart to receive more from you throughout this year in the name of Jesus. Lord, open my heart to receive more from you this year. In the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want you, I want us to look at something in Psalm. In the book of Psalm 1 verse 3. Psalm 1 verse 3. The Bible said, talking about the righteous, the Bible says that the righteous are like a tree. For he shall be, he shall be like a tree planted. Let me read from verse 1. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful, 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree. That is talking about you and I. The Bible says that we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever 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 he does shall prosper whatever he does shall prosper the bible this is what the bible is saying that the righteous you are like a tree how many righteous people are here in pittsburgh if you are righteous lift up your hands how many righteous people are in fort worth if you are righteous wave your hands to jesus hallelujah i am the right i am righteous in christ jesus hallelujah and the bible says that whatever so you do shall prosper in the name of jesus christ i want you to lift up your hands to heaven and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, let me prosper mightily this year and beyond in Jesus' name. Let me prosper mightily this year and beyond in Jesus' name. Now lift up your voice and pray. Father, let me prosper mightily. According to Psalm 1 verse 3, let me prosper mightily in the name of Jesus. Let me prosper mightily this year in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, lift up, lift up your right hand to heaven and begin to declare this. In the name of Jesus, this year I will experience increase on every side. This year, I will experience increase on every side. In Jesus' name, spiritually I would increase. Financially I would increase. Emotionally I would increase. Mentally I would increase. Materially I would increase. In every other area of my life I would experience increase. Will prosper mightily in the name of Jesus. If you believe in, make some noise and celebrate ahead of time. I will increase in the name of Jesus. I would increase in the name of Jesus. Put your hand on your chest and say, I will increase. I make a commitment to increase. I make a commitment to increase. I would increase in the name of Jesus and the devil can't do anything about it. Hallelujah. 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 In fourth words out, hallelujah. Hey. Hey. 
prison. Even my dance moves are in prison. some moves. I am increasing. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands to heaven. Just begin to thank God. Begin to thank God. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are the Lord that answers by fire. I thank you that you are the God that answers by fire. You are the Lord that answers by fire. I thank you for answering my prayers tonight. I thank you for hearing me tonight. I thank you for divine encounter in the name of Jesus. I thank you for divine encounter in the name of Jesus. I am not leaving this place the same way I came. I am leaving with an encounter with your word, encounter with your power. Power, encounter with your spirit, encounter with your fire. I am living here with an encounter with the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Encounter with fire. Encounter with the fire. Receive an encounter with the fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire. The fire. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Lift up your hands to heaven. Say, Father, touch me with your fire. In the name of Jesus. I want you to welcome our pastor, Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a great big hand clap. Give Pastor Bob Nichols a happy new year. Come on, give Pastor Bob Nichols the biggest greeting and welcome. Yeah! Yeah! Hey! A quick hello. A quick hello from the chief. A quick hello. Give him a quick hello. Hello and God bless you. Give Jesus a great man. That's awesome. Come on, give Pastor Bob Nichols a great welcome. What a nice surprise. Good to see you in Pittsburgh. We landed uh, 17 minutes ago. I don't even think I've been here having you pray while I was at In-N-Out or Whataburger. In my head, I was in In-N-Out and Whataburger. But I'm with you. How many of you are ready for a great breakthrough Friday service? Praise God. Give the Lord Jesus a great hand clap. 
Tonight is, uh, we have crested, you can be seated, we've crested the halfway point of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going into the back stretch. We're seeing things break loose in both churches and in the nation. Say this out loud, fasting and prayer are seeds that I plant, that I reap a continual harvest. So you don't measure the success of a fast by 6 a.m. January 23rd. There are seeds that go into your year that you reap the benefit of all year long. There was no revival today, Church Fort Worth, at the end of January of last year. Although there, there are things that happen during the fast and during that month. The land was given that day and uh, the day we broke the fast, 24.8 acres of land. And then revival today, Fort Worth in July, uh, announced and then October, and then the jet delivered right around November. So it goes all year. Then you hit it again and go back again. I brought the queen with me today, and uh, I know she's very loved here, and no one loves her more than me. I'm probably tied with Jesus, so I, I wanted to give her the opportunity to greet you and the opportunity for you to receive from her great ministry. I want you to give a warm hand clap to Pastor Donna Shuttlesworth, my wife. Hallelujah. I am so happy to be with you the very first time in 2024. Are you ready for an encounter with God today? Amen. Those of you that are watching in um, Pennsylvania, how's it going? I miss you guys. Sorry about the hair, but we didn't have time. Turn with me to Romans 10, verse 8. Once you're there, say amen. And it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Can you say amen? How many of you guys are in this fast with us? Everybody? It's not too late to jump in on this, okay? We still have uh, a, a ton of days left, so I want to encourage you, if you have never done a fast, if you've never been part of a corporate fast, I want you to come in on it. We are believing God to uh, have an army of 7,000 people that will pray and fast to see this nation turned around. Can you say amen? And say this, it begins in my home. There's this weird perception in a, 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 a Christian's life that uh, will believe that somehow God is going to come in and touch an entire place, which is, is true. He, he touches, uh, it, you know, places, but it starts with the individual. It starts with the remnant. Can you say Amen. And so I believe you and I are part of that remnant here in America that is going to usher the presence of God like we've never seen it before. Can you say amen? 
Well, I open up to that scripture because if you are praying and fasting with us, I want you to know what faith is. And it's so easy. And I was making mention of this yesterday to our church out in Pittsburgh, that Faith is a very easy thing to figure out. It's not some magical, mystical, you know, bigger than life thing. God actually made it so that we could easily understand it. Can you say amen? And in Romans, it says that faith is in your mouth and it's in your heart. Can you say amen? It's very easy. So when we start proclaiming something, once we start to, and that's what we've been doing uh, in the 11, are we on 11 days of prayer and fasting now? We are on the 11th day of prayer and fasting, and that's what we've been doing. We've proclaiming, we've been proclaiming the, the, the changes that we want to see. We are declaring God's goodness over our children, over our finances, over our buildings. Uh, do you know that it starts with something in your mouth? It starts with the word of God in your mouth, which is why these meetings are integral for you to start the year off on the right foot. Because when you listen to the word of God, that is the hope that we now have so that our tomorrow can change. So you might be battling in your body, you might be struggling, but if no one told you you could get out of that situation, there would be no hope for a better tomorrow. But because the word of God brings hope, then we can start declaring the truth of God's word for our life so that faith can come in and change our situations. Can you say amen? But it starts with something that you have to say. The very essence of the world was created, uh, you know, what we see, what we are now in, was all created because of the word that was spoken. That's how powerful your words are. And so I've come here tonight to challenge you to give your mouth a bow bow every now and again. Control that thing. Because that's what's going to determine your tomorrow. And really where you're at right now is all because of what you've said. It's all because of what you've agreed. Because the Bible says, I would that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. But make no mistake about it. There is a choosing and you could either choose life or you could choose death. So really, all we need to do as basic and as, as, as maybe even silly as this might sound, all we need to do is agree. What are you going to agree with today? Are you agreeing with the symptoms and the pain and the hardship and the darkness? Or are you going to agree with the word of God and what he declares over your situation? It takes you rising to the occasion and saying, I will stand with God. And in standing with God, you declare something out of your mouth. And let me tell you, I, I, this, is, this resonates with me because when I first encountered Jonathan's uh, ministry, I was uh, 19, I think I was like 18, 19 years old. 
And um, he challenged me because it was never an ethereal thing to serve God. Like it was never left in the realm of, of, you know, no man's land. I can't really grasp it. You know, God is so good. And everybody would say that. And then, you know, but if it's in his, is, if it's in his plans, you know, for these things to happen, you can't really do anything about it, you know? And so there was no talk about living holy. There was no talk about giving. There was no talk about uh, anything that we could do because really it didn't matter. But that's not the truth. That's not the word of God. What you do matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, what I do matters. Turn to your other neighbor and say, what I say matters even more. Name it and claim it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. If I find it in the word of God, then it belongs to me. That's the whole reason we have the word of God to begin with. He wants to let you know what's, what's, what's your reality. What you, what this is, this has to become real to you. He wants you to know what's available to you and your family and your finances. It's all right here. And when you find it, then you can stand on his promises. That's the speaking. That's the, 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 the word of God in our mouth. And then the more we speak it, it starts to permeate our heart and take root. Can you say amen? See, when you get saved... There's a transformation. You become a new creation, the Bible says. Your spirit, man, is, is, is born and you have contact with God and there's deposits in you that, I mean, I don't even think we fully understand that kind of, uh, you know, awakening. But the mind still needs help. The mind still needs for you to lead it and guide it and direct it and renew it every single day. And so we do these things because we understand that there's a battle, there's a war, and that's why we're pushing away the plate. Because we know we got to push away the flesh, and from this moment forward, I will stand with the word of God. I will do what he declares, but we have to put in the effort. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. There has to be an effort to get into the word like never before because you need to start changing what you say. And, and, and unfortunately, it's something that works through repetition. It doesn't, you're not just going to get saved and all of a sudden you're, you're Jesus Christ and you think like him and you have the patience like him and you have, you know, uh, 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 you're fully equipped in your mind and all this kind of stuff. Uh, the, the word of God needs to come in and change your mind. There's a new, there's a new being that was created, but now your mind has to catch up. So you have to train your mind. And when you train your mind, you're getting the word of God to come in. And then you're going to declare a thing. Can you say amen? So when I heard the message, Jonathan made us all shout. And, and it was uh, this, uh, the church that I was in, it was in, in Massachusetts. And he made us all declare, I'll never be broke another day in my life. And I remember sitting there thinking like, oh. Can you say that? 
And I, I literally, I couldn't believe that that was an actual thing that he would, uh, you know, uh, I just, I never thought that it was possible. But my head wouldn't believe it, but my heart was believing it. My heart felt like, wait a minute, this is right. Whatever he's saying is resonating in my spirit that that's the absolute truth. And then he started pulling scripture out. And he made us say it in the beginning, and it was like a really kind of like quiet, like, I'll never be broke another day. Because nobody else in that place believed it either. And then, and then he just started preaching about it and how that's not, you know, that we are, you know, uh, uh, the, we are the seed of Abraham. And uh, we are blessed and, and God will come on us like uh, uh, on our finances like, like he does with the, the, the Jewish people because we are of that bloodline. And then he just started talking about, you know, God's goodness. And at the end of that, then he made everybody say it again. And this time it was like a roar that came in because the truth backed it up. And so I continued to say that even though there was no manifestation of it. And I continued to say it. And then we got married and we were still broke. And we continued to say it. And I remember we were driving from uh, Delaware to Virginia or just we were whatever. And then I had $20 left. And that was it. And that was all the cash that I had. And then when we went and we, we crossed over the Chesapeake Bridge, they were like, it's going to cost you $20 to pay for this, you know, stupid bridge thing. And so I rolled down my window because I had heard him say this. And I gave that lady the $20 and I said, there's more where that came. And now I'm committed. Like if I'm going to say, I'm going to start saying a lot. And I, I gave it to her and I said it in faith. There's more where that came from. But deep down I was like, is there? <laughs> is there? And for many years we declared and continued to declare the word of God over our finances. And you know what? It eventually took root. But you had to train yourself. So I just say that to encourage everybody here that maybe you're not walking. You got saved last year. You got saved a couple months ago, a couple days ago. And you're feeling like, uh, you know, I felt the change immediately. You know, like I felt something lift and I could sleep better. But it doesn't seem like much is changing. The much that needs to change is your brain. It's your mouth, what you allow to say about yourself, about your children, about your marriage, about every aspect of your life. It needs to start now. You got to change it up. It's really that easy. And so when we start declaring a thing, then it permeates into our heart, faith ignites, and boom, the change is required. That change is absolutely necessary. I find it very interesting that Abram went almost 24 years without a child. Even though God said, hey, I got you. But you know when things began to change for Abram? The moment he started to introduce himself as the father of many nations. Hi, Abraham, father of many nations. Hi father of many nations because it wasn't like Adalis like it's a name it doesn't matter I think it, my name means like goddess of fire who knows seriously it's like some Greek whatever uh, 
so you know it's it, it's it, it now it's just like you you pick something that's cute you know oh you know sandy <laughs> pepper <laughs> whatever like it doesn't mean but back then it was like a, a your name was was the title is like a, a great honor so god says i'm not changing your name just to be cute i'm changing your name so that you know who you are and what's ahead of you and until abram changed his name to abraham and had to confess that change his 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 confession and declare every single day. Could you imagine being 100 years old, 99 years old, and you're, you're, you're saying, hi, I'm the father of many uh, nations or whatever. And people are very aware of your children. They, I don't have any right now. But it doesn't matter. Because if God gives you a word and you begin to confess it, soon enough it's going to take root. See, you don't have to wait another minute. You don't have to wait 17 more years for this thing to come about. All you need to do is change what you say. And so from this moment forward, I want you to lift up your hands, those that are watching and those that are here in Texas. From this moment forward, I'm going to pray a prayer over you and you are going to get slammed in more ways than one. Because the next time something dumb comes out of your mouth that is anti-faith and anti-the message that we preach, the Holy Ghost is going to slap you upside the head. So in the mighty name of Jesus, Father, whatever that might be. I thank you that we start this year off on the right foot, but I pray that you would tra train us by your Holy Spirit. Help train us to do the right things, to say the right things in the mighty name of Jesus. The moment we try to side with the enemy, I pray that you would sucker punch every person here in the mighty name of Jesus, and I pray that there would be like an alarm system that goes off that would immediately convict them of siding with the enemy. Father, let it be as real uh, to them as it is me. When we declare a certain truth out of our mouth, Father, let us understand that there's a reality that is being created behind every word that we speak. So in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that faith would arise and that these people would say what you want them to say. Let them say the word of God in Jesus' name. And because of this, Father, I thank you for the turnaround, the acceleration, and the miracles in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, give Jesus a great hand clap. Let Pastor Adalos know you appreciated that word. Fasting and prayer is essentially about encountering spiritual power as a Christian. Something Jesus said was necessary for believers. You've traveled with me for three and a half years. You've watched me pray. You've tried to pray with me. You've ministered to the sick. I've sent you out evangelizing. Don't do anything until you receive that which the Father promised. For John baptized you in water, but in not many days hence, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. And you shall receive power. A baptism of power. That's not in Buddhism. That's not in Islam. I don't mean the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's no 
God's sharing his power with the followers. There's that God's powerful. You do what he says and grovel. You remain in the condition you're in. But there is no religion where the God claims to love the people and claims to share his power except Christianity. Without that power, you're a sitting duck. I don't know if you were here last night or watched online, but there's a man, his business used to, it, it was like a, a perpendicular to our old Revival Today offices when we were in Bridgeville before we started the church. Families from Lebanon. He's never been, he never has been to one of my meetings or church, a full gospel church ever. And then this is why I'm telling you things are starting to break loose on this fast. His girlfriend, they're adults, they're like my age. His girlfriend meets a guy from our church who back when they knew each other, he was not a Christian. Now he's a Christian. She starts mentioning that she would like to be in a revival meeting. Now, that may happen in Texas. That does not happen in the Northeast. You don't have anybody asking to go to church or, or even familiar with that. I want to get in a church service where I can feel God's presence. He says, well, you're, you're fortunate. I'm going to one tonight. Come with me. Well, I don't know if my boyfriend will go. I've been praying for him. I started to talk to him about these things. I don't know what happened to her where she got touched all of a sudden, but she convinces him to come. He has an automotive uh, 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 store. You know, he's a tough guy. And he comes into that meeting, fasting and prayer meeting, the least geared to win the lost meeting you could be in. Pastor Kofi leading people in tongues, strong. And then the next thing I know, we give that altar call. And he's up in the front with his hands lifted. And I went and grabbed his right hand when he was at the altar. And he testified, sent, sent a testimony in the, uh, the next morning. I've never been in anything like that before. I have nerve damage and my hand is numb and hurts. And when he grabbed my hand, I didn't know he had any kind of problem. He, lo- he, 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 he looks like, if anything, I should have him pray for me. He said, the numbness in that hand is gone. I can only attribute it to the power that was in that meeting last night. I want to be a part of that community. He's back the next night. Doesn't know anything about going out under the power, slain in the spirit, lay hands on him. He, he, he goes out. Somebody has to explain to him why he's on the ground. Power. Pastor Bob Nichols, that by the grace of God built the largest church in Fort Worth, was asked to speak at a church in uh, West Columbia, Texas. John Osteen was supposed to speak and he couldn't come. So they called him last minute as a young preacher and he went and he's preaching on the kind of stuff we're talking about tonight, spiritual power. Second Timothy 3, 5. In the last days, people will have a form of godliness, but they'll reject the power that would make them godly. Have nothing to do with people like that. And it's not a new thing. It was more controversial then. There's been a breakthrough now. So he's preaching on it. The guy that is the uh, valedictorian of the, of the high school in West Columbia, Texas, everybody knew him. He's on scholarship to go to an Ivy League school. Mid-sermon, stands up and points at Pastor Bob and starts mocking him. You don't know what you're talking about. This stuff's foolish. And mid-sentence, turns into a drooling, lost his mind, Wandered the streets of West Columbia for the rest of his life. For 40 years, wandered around drooling on himself with his tongue out. From smart, when people see that, they start to know. I know people get sad. Oh, that's sad. No, it's actually not. You read the Bible. God takes it very seriously. If you're going to joke anything, don't joke the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And so that's power. 
That's power. Where you say, this guy's not speaking his own message. There's a power there. That God has sent these people. God is among us. For some reason, for about 25 years, there has been a move in this country, and Texas too, the nation, the America, that taught Africans about tongues and praying in tongues for hours and all night prayer meeting. That didn't come from Africa. That didn't come from India. Obviously, it came from Acts chapter 2. But Azusa Street hit here and went worldwide from here. And it's like the preachers exported it to other countries. And then, uh, we don't need, you know, that's great for them. We don't need it. And now we see after 25 years, the result of that. America and the shape that it's in is not going to be determined by Washington, D.C., or Texas state legislature, a nation is determined by the state of the church in that nation. What determines the state of the church in a nation? Christian leadership. And then the Christians that come, but mainly Christian leadership. Because people do what the leader instructs them to do. I know many people say the opposite. Well, you know, we do believe in that, but the people here don't really know anything about tongues or healing. Then all the more reason to teach people what they need to do. Can you say amen? And that's what these meetings are. This is about getting a group of people that are on fire for God. On fire. That don't just, that can say like David said, show me your glory. Like Paul, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. Where when you pray, you see results. I'm going to very quickly, I know you, we've been, you've been here for an hour and 46 minutes. I'm not going to keep you here all night. But I'm going to tell you something from the Bible. And this breakthrough Friday in Pittsburgh and here in Texas, I want you to set yourself right now to receive. This is not a lesson. And then we're going to dismiss in prayer. Let faith come alive in your heart. There should be a hunger. I am not going to have a repeat of 2023. And the reason is I'm going to attain under the power of God and the devil that used to trample on me, I'm going to trample on his head as if it was dust under my feet. Every problem from 2023 is not following me in to 2024. If you believe it, can you say amen? Every Every great man and woman in the Bible, their story begins with an encounter with God or an encounter with his word. But I would say the majority, an encounter with the person of God, the person of Jesus Christ. I, Paul, was on the road to Damascus, breathing out threats against the church with every, every breath. And suddenly, Jesus appeared before me. And I fell on the ground and I said, who are you, Lord? This is not, and I went to church and I scanned the QR code and joined the next steps program. Thank God for all that stuff. But until you have an encounter, Jesus is alive. This is not joining a belief system from a dead teacher. You are having a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then he gave him instructions about what to do. Then he was baptized in the Holy Ghost within the next three days and had his blind eyes that were blinded by the glory of Jesus Christ. This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. Well, that was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we, no, do not separate the word from the spirit. I'm, as, I'm word of faith to the back teeth. 
But don't try to turn Kenneth Hagin into a Bible teacher. He taught, but Kenneth Hagin was a prophet. When he got done teaching, he'd come off the stage at 85 years old, and the Holy Ghost would blow through that place. People got out of wheelchairs. The second this thing turns into lessons from the Bible, you have missed the thing that gives Christianity its explosive power to shake a nation. I never invited that man to come back the next night. I didn't know his hand got healed. He was there, back with his girlfriend. You saw him testify. It's his second day in church. He already has a testimony. Nerve damage healed. I've never been in anything like this before. Yeah, he didn't just learn about behavior modification. He had an encounter with power. Fasting and prayer is encountering and caring. Not just encountering. Yes, I once was very shaken up by the power of God. Encountering it and then carrying it. It was never the will of God to dwell in vessels made by human hands. Know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God's will from the beginning was not to dwell in the sky. It was to dwell in his people. Think about it. Say, I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Bible says when his, te- when his presence filled the temple, that the temple began to expand and contract with the breath of God. That's what's to be in us. And I'll tell you, many people probably won't tell you, but I'll tell you, you have a choice. There's no in-between. And on a night like tonight in Pittsburgh and in Texas, you have to decide, what kind of Christianity do you want? Keep me in prayer, Christianity. Keep me in prayer. Can you keep me in prayer, please? And they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire appeared on each of their heads. And they prayed for everyone to have traveling mercies on the way home and wrote people's names down on a prayer list to keep them in prayer. No. And they all went out. They all, all of them, went out everywhere and preached. How did that business owner come into our church? I didn't preach to him. I didn't witness to him. One of our hunting owns a commercial painting company, big red beard, Tough guy that's had an encounter with that power. He told them, oh, you want to encounter God? Come with me tonight. He brought them. What happens when you take a few hundred people and turn them loose and they're on fire? 120 people turn the Roman Empire on its ear. My friend, we have more than that here tonight, let alone in Pittsburgh. We have an opportunity to turn out a a sleeper cell in Texas that carries God's power and is going to carry it to their generation. If you know you're part of that group, let God hear your hand clap tonight. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Moses with the burning bush that we're going to read, if I can get disciplined enough to to get on my notes. Isaiah was in the ministry for six chapters, but his ministry didn't really begin till chapter six. And in the king, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He ran off of that for 60 chapters. The glory of his train filled the temple. He was surrounded, tells the kind of angels he was surrounded by. It did something for him. You can't see into that realm and have any fear of man for the rest of your life. You can believe it or not, because half the stuff I've said at this point, if you think I'm nuts, you already think I'm nuts, so I might as well just confirm all suspicion. 
Eight years old, my mother sent me to change for bed, 790 Wheatland Circle in Bridgeville, Pennsylvania. And I went up, bent over and picked my pajamas up, and when I looked up, there was an angel on the other side of the bed. I had a speech impediment. I had several non-surgical procedures done on my legs. My feet were turned in like this. Jonathan, God, I just stood still. Jonathan, people say, what does the angel look like? Like someone not to be messed with. That's what he looked like. So I stood still. Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist, to call men and women who are now in darkness into the light, to call men and women who are now in darkness into the light. For soon it will be eternally too late. That was 1988. So if it was soon then, how much sooner must it be now? You think Jesus is coming soon? Oh, I believe he's coming so soon, I don't even buy green bananas anymore. For soon, it will be eternally too late. That's why it's worth teaching in Pittsburgh in the morning and getting on a plane and flying and teaching in Texas. You know, if Jesus came on Monday, I would say, well, if I knew he was coming Monday, I would, be, what could I have done differently? Maybe I could have woke up at 6 in the morning or 5.30 and, and fit in another service somewhere else on the plane. Maybe, maybe not. For soon, it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? I said, yes, and the angel left. And I carried something in me from that that has carried me till now. How many of you ever heard of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown traveling with Youth for Christ? And one day he got desperate, went in the rectory of the Anglican church or whatever type of church they were in. There wasn't even a spirit-filled church. And just start, closed the door where he could be by himself and started to yell out, I want the fire! I want the fire! I want what those men had in the Bible. And God hit him with the fire. And here he is in his early 60s, acting like he's like he's like 16. He's like a 16-year-old, 60-year-old. He called me the other day. I said, where are you? He said, I'm at a racetrack. I said, have you fallen into gambling? No, I'm a member here at this racetrack where I can drive my Corvette as fast as I want on a closed circuit. Oh, yeah, that's like 16-year-old stuff. That's the fire. The fire will keep you a young man. The fire will make you a young lady and an old lady's body, but the old lady's body works like a young lady's body. Can you say amen? you got to be hungry for the fire. If you, if you want to come, we did not start a church in Fort Worth so there could be another church. How many know life's hard? How many know things don't work out? Oh, no. There is something God gave the believer that though there are challenges in the world, they can beat your back with rods. They can throw you in prison. They can lock you up with chains, but you can pray and sing praises to God, and the God that sent you will send an earthquake, rattle those prison doors open, and knock the chains off of every prisoner. So I, I might have not told you this a few years ago. I might have told you the opposite, but I would disagree with myself now that I'm older, and I have, I, I have it right now. If you want to take the end of the fast and pray for a couple other people and pray for some needs, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing it now. But the better way, I'll show you a more excellent way. I would pray first that God change me. Change me into your image. I want more of you. More of you. I, I, I must decrease. You must increase. Fill me with your power. Because what you find is when you're carrying that power, 
the things you'd pray for for 20 years just start happening. Paul never prayed for the freedom of the other prisoners. But when he prayed, that earthquake came. His prison doors didn't open and his chains fell off. The Bible says the prison doors of every prisoner came open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. You start carrying something where when your feet, Joshua chapter 1, everywhere the sole of your foot shall tread, you're on land that I have given you. One puts a thousand to flight. Two puts ten thousand to flight. It doesn't matter how much is against you because the God that's for you is operating on the inside of you and because he lives you begin to live in his power if you receive that tonight in Pittsburgh in Texas do what you're already doing clap your hands oh ye people shout unto God with the voice of triumph somebody shout hallelujah Exodus chapter 3 encountering God Verse 1, you know, before I even read that, I can't put words in your mouth, but if you've ever had teenagers and sent them to youth camp and they come back different, why? Because at youth camp, they don't start at 7 and stop at 8.15. They open the altars up. They give people 40 minutes, hour 10 to pray, and then friends start finding each other and praying with each other. And what happens? They come back. And they don't say, well, they told us we should read our Bible every day. They just start reading their Bible. They start not doing the things you used to have to correct them for on their own. I don't want to do that. Come back and apologize to you first thing. I'm sorry for how I've been acting. The fire does that. If you take that out of Christianity, you've taken the legs out of Christianity. You have produced a religion that is easily dominated by rainbow flags I saw um, the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, announced yesterday. He said, we're out of room to store the migrants in, in New York City. So now we're going to begin to ask houses of worship to, to house them in their sanctuaries. Do you think they're all going to say no? No, they're broke anyway. The Holy Ghost left a long time ago, and it's empty. So they're going to receive the money from the government. Those houses of worships are going to turn into big bedding centers and soup. There's not going to be a word of gospel preached there ever again. Because, and it didn't happen this year. It happened years ago when leadership began to make a decision that Americans were too good for the Holy Ghost. We don't want that kind of service on Sunday morning. We want to give people a nice little message before they go have mimosas with their two other girlfriends that are all getting ready to leave their husbands. We want to make a religion that makes it palatable to go to hell. We want a church where you can be in sin and live in sin and never feel an ounce of conviction one Sunday. That is the type of church that has broken this country down. But thank God, God's not finished with America. And in the midst of that, there's another wave of the Holy Ghost that is coming into Texas, into Pennsylvania, from Boston, Massachusetts, to Maui, Hawaii, from Wasilla, Alaska, to Laredo, Texas. America shall be saved. Somebody say, I want the fire. Not I'm interested in the fire. I want, you know, that sounds, that's an intriguing thought, Brother Jonathan. I want it. I'm not going through this and picking and choosing what I want. I want the whole thing. Everything Jesus paid that high price with his blood for so that man could have. Everything Adam lost 
that the second Adam came to bring back. I don't want eight out of 10. I don't want nine out of 10. I want the whole thing. Can you say amen? amen. Exodus 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt and into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. You know, when I read that, I was, I was teaching this morning on the, the 10 spies giving the evil report and the spies. You know, what did they say when they came back? The Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites all live in these hills. Yeah, he told you that up front. Why'd you have to go scout it out again? He told you up front there's enemies in there. But though there's enemies in the land, if the Lord is with you, you will take it just as he said. Every promise left unfulfilled in your life, they will come into your hands this year in the name of Jesus Christ. But Moses protested to God. Verse 11. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, God answered, I will be with you. Everybody say, God's with me. You know, was that a promise just to Moses? Back then it was. But what did Jesus say to all disciples now? Lo, I am with who? You. For how long? Until what? Sometimes, how many of you know, sometimes we just feel like his presence is, then get out of your feelings. He said, I'm with you always until the end of the world. And he's not with you just to be with you. He's with you to deliver you and to bring you to the other side. That when you're weak, you can lean on his strength. If you're thankful for that, can you shout a loud amen? amen. God answered, I'm with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses promised, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent you, they'll ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, 
the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He told me I've been watching closely. I've seen how the Egyptians are treating you. I've promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Verse 18, the elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt won't let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably upon you. They will give you gifts when you leave, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing. Everybody say silver, gold, and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, and in this you will strip the Egyptians of their wealth. Can you say amen? I just want to put in your spirit from the word, instead of just leaving it all in the general talk about having an encounter with the fire of God, what does the fire of God do? When you encounter the fire of God, I'm going to give you four things. I'm not, not all the things, but four things that happen to you that aren't replicated any other way. You can sit through a thousand Sunday school classes. No, I believe the word can do it. The word and the spirit agree. If you strip the word from the power, you have messed Christianity up. And I'm not going to see it messed up in another generation. Thank God for the word, but the word's going to point you to the power of the Holy Ghost. The apostle Paul said, brethren, when I brought you the word, it was not in word only, but in the demonstration. It was a demonstration. The demonstration of power. I did this so your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. They're not separate. We're more of a word church. You know you're not. If there's no spirit, you've goofed the word up somehow. It's impossible to preach the word correctly and not have the spirit come behind because the spirit is the author of the word and the Lord watches over his word to confirm it with signs and wonders. My, my business owner friend that got healed of that nerve damage, that wasn't a healing meeting. There was no altar call if anyone needs a touch in their hand. To, none of that. It was, a, it was a meeting where we were meeting with God. But his power was there, and God showed himself to that man that night. This is not your girlfriend's thing that she's interested in, that she dragged you along. I know you. I know what's wrong with your hand. I'm going to heal you tonight because 2,000 years ago, I sent my son to, to, to deliver you from the bondage of the devil. And while I'm on the subject, Moses was raised up in power to deliver those people from Pharaoh. I've seen how those slave masters treat you. How did God do it? He didn't come down and, and, and pick them up and take them out. God uses men. Religion hates that. God uses women. Religion hates that even more. Religion likes everything to be kept 
in the sky. Oh God, one day, how many of you know he heals when he's ready? No, I have heard the cries of my people, so I've appeared to you in fire to give you a rod to do signs, and you will be the one to lead these people out of it. I pray here in Texas, I pray in Pittsburgh, two or three more will get something in their spirit. I'm not here to survive. I am here to rescue my generation, not from the bondage of Pharaoh, but from the foul grip of the devil and suicide and depression and fear and addiction. Fill me with your fire. Fill me with your fire and use me in that way. What happens when you encounter the fire and then we'll pray? Number one, a sin-centered life is replaced with a holiness and eternity-centered life. The fire burns out the drost and makes the gold pure. Most believers, believers, I'm not talking about outside people, I'm talking about church people. Their life is sin-centered. They've never had the sin burn out of them. I, how many of you know we, now it's even in the pulpit. How many of you know we all battle things? I'm your pastor, I do things every day that displease God. Well, you're gonna go to hell then. You should probably stop that. And you probably should also not make that your confession that I do things. That's not past tense. Not I did things every day that displeased God. I do. Continuous tense. Things that displease God. Is that what the scriptures say? That we all live in sin? No. The Bible says in Romans 6.14, sin shall not have dominion over you. Pastor Augustine in Pittsburgh, his father and mother are here. You can tell just being near them. They're holy living people. I have memories of that. Pastor Bob, I don't feel sin on him. I don't smell weed on him. He's a holy living person or very good at washing his clothes. But we'll go with holy living. Can you say amen? Yeah, they feel holy. That's, I don't want to say that's been lost to the church, but close. Pastor, pastors, just before we go any further this Sunday, many of you have heard I've had an affair. I'm human. I've made mistakes. I'll make mistakes. Brother, that ain't church. Becoming a Christian is a decision to come out from among them and be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing. If you do sin, confess your sin, repent of it, and receive freedom and forgiveness. But to have the mentality that I've displeased God last week, I'll displease God this week. We haven't had time to displease God this week. How many of you have basically been immersed in God for the last two weeks? Let me see your hands. Me too. So there's no time. You're putting your energy into the kingdom. Working hard, making lunch for your kids, shuttle them off to school, go to work, come to the house of God, pray, repeat. There's no energy. You finished the, the service last night, if I finished it, there's nothing you could have tempted me with. If I wanted to do it, my energy was gone. Somebody posted on Instagram, they had me mouthing to a dollar. I'm done. All you, I'm, I don't have anything to say. I, I gave everything I had. If I'd have walked out and someone said, Brother Jonathan, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of ending it all. I'd say, well, I hope you can make it till tomorrow because I got nothing to say. I got nothing left. It was all done, let alone sin. You can put both hands to the plow for God. You don't have to displease God every day. You don't have to displease God any day. I read in the book of Job two covenants ago. No blood of Jesus. No resurrection life. No baptism of the Holy Ghost. What did God say? Have you noticed my servant Job? What a mess up. 
No. Have you noticed my servant Job? That he's an upright man, perfect in all his ways, that he loves God and hates evil. This fire will put a hatred for evil. I'm going to tell you something. You will get that tonight. That is lacking from the American church. They might disagree with evil, but there needs to be, the Bible says in the New Testament, love what is good, hate what is evil. Not hate evil people, hate what is evil. You know, I heard the the pastor of the largest church in the world, Bishop David Oyedepo, used this illustration. So if you think it's crude, it is. But when I heard him hear it, I took it as a license to say it. Nobody looks in, their, in the toilet after they finish using it and gets a craving for what's in there. It's repulsive to you. You don't even want to look and it's yours. I pray that that same attitude would come into your spirit towards sin. That alcohol would be reviling to you. I don't want it. I don't want marijuana. I don't want the things of this world. I love God and I want nothing to do with evil. May every addiction, may every rope and chain that the enemy has bound you with be burned off of your life tonight. If you believe it, say I receive it. Number one, a sin-centered life is replaced with a life of holiness that has a view of eternity. Moses now had a purpose. You're not going to take sheep, care of sheep to earn money to pay your mortgage. I'm giving you something to do that's going to affect your generation. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible is when the prophet Samuel gets ready to die and he addresses all of Israel and says, who of you have I taken something that doesn't belong to me? Who of you have I defrauded? Who of you have I, have I taken one of your daughters? Speak up. And the whole place is silent. And he said, that's right. I have served my generation. Billy Graham, if you think that's impossible today, explain Billy Graham. There wasn't some group of people when they interred him at the National Rotunda. He actually borrowed money from us and never paid us back. No. The whole world paused to pay tribute to a man that got a call of God on his life, followed it to Bible school, went on the evangelistic field, and served his generation. But he's gone. Till Osborne's gone. Kenneth Hagin's gone. John Osteen's gone. These guys served their generation. They bought us another 50 years. What about now? What, are, what, what church is there going to be now? One that talks about the glory days? Or can there be a new visitation where another generation says, I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to just try to make heaven. I'm going to be a deliverer for my generation. I believe I'm looking at the people tonight that are going to be the answer to that prayer. Everybody say holiness and eternity. People don't think about eternity. People aren't interested in heaven. There's no sermons on heaven. No one cares. No no sermons on the Christian's reward. I heard Dr. N. Benjamin Crandall pastored a great full gospel church in Brooklyn, New York. When I was 20, I heard him preach in Poughkeepsie on the Christian's reward. I still haven't gotten over it. I never heard a message on that before where he broke down the judgment for the Christian that we won't be judged on our sin, but we'll be rewarded for the actions we took in our body to further the kingdom of God. Some will receive no reward. Some will receive a small reward, and some will receive a great reward. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I'm going great reward. I don't, I, I don't want, I don't, I've, I've told the Lord a couple of times, even this year, even though it's early in the year, when I'm flying back and forth between churches, just so you know, in case you're looking at me and wondering, I'm not tired. 
I'm happy to do whatever he asked me to do. Well, I guess he took me up on it. Bishop Dag asked me to go to that crusade in Angola. And then he told me, he said, I have four stages. I have several crusade directors, teams of sound equipment. I want you to start doing crusades in Africa. You need to do it. Well, I guess God called my bluff. So now two churches and then overseas crusades. I mean, any one of those things is a lifetime's worth of work. But God will use you. I I want to burn out for God, but you never do burn out for God because that fire never goes out. You're not running on your own passion or some kind of selfish ambition. It's It's an eternal flame. Hallelujah. It's the flame that engulfed that bush. It's the cloven tongues of fire that were on the men in Pentecost. That fire has never gone out. That fire will never go out. And if you follow the instruction that Paul gave Timothy to keep that fire and gift that the faith that was in your grandmother Lewis and your mother Eunice is now in you. Now keep it fanned into flames. What a risk it would be. How do you keep it fanned into flames? I'll tell you how to not do it. Well, you know, we've, I've done 21 days of prayer and fasting since I got out of Bible college. We're in a little different position now. We own our building, several million in the bank. We have a jet. So I'm going to be eating this January. There's going to be trouble, not immediate trouble because everything seeds. See, you're not living today off of what you did today. You're living today off seeds you planted in the past. I'm actually enjoying right now probably things I did on, in fasting and prayer six and seven, 11 years ago that have come to bloom now. So if I stop now, I still have seed in the ground from the last five years that I'll enjoy. Then we'll hit a wall. Huh. Wonder what's happening. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this story. It might not be for you. It might be for somebody watching online or in Pittsburgh. I was preaching on fasting and prayer at a church at a conference, and it was a full gospel church, Pentecostal. And the pastor did not like that message. I don't believe in fasting. He said, uh, I used to, he said, I'm not saying that. He said, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. He said, for the first eight years of my ministry, I would go to my office from 5 a.m. to 8.30 in the morning and pray in tongues and fast several times a week. I think, I thought, how can you not connect the dots? He said, I only had 60 people back then. Yeah, and now you're in a 7,500-seat auditorium. Did you ever think that maybe when you were in your early 20s and hungry and going there and praying, that put seeds and that's why you're where you're at now? And that there would have been no future crash if you'd have stayed that way? I will never, ever, I can't put words in your mouth, but I can decide for me. I will never have a story about how I used to pray. I used to fast. I used to believe that Brother Hagin stuff. What are you doing now? Hear these people talk about how they used to believe Brother Hagin. What have you done since? What wheelchairs have you emptied out? What blind eyes have come open? If you look, you've actually gone backwards since then. I'm not going backwards. Revival Today Church Fort Worth will never take a backward step. Revival Today Church Pittsburgh will never go backwards. We're going forward with a jet engine from the Holy Ghost. If you receive that tonight, take 20 seconds. Let God hear you. I'm going forward. I'm not treading water. In Jesus' name. That's what I like about fasting and prayer. And I I promise I'm going to wrap up. That's, That's what I like about fasting and prayer. 
Because you want to know why you never hear me preach sermons about what do you do when you're in a dry season? You know what you do? Change it. Fasting and prayer is you making a decision. I'm not going to see what 2024 brings me. I am determining. I am telling 2024 what it's going to bring me. How many, how many of you were following this ministry before we started the church? Yeah. We fast and pray. What's the theme of last year? The righteous shall possess the land. We break the fast the 22nd. The morning of the 23rd, we get a call that somebody turned down an offer from Marriott and is instead gifting 24.8 acres on the interstate to the church and the land, Pittsburgh will not zone any more land for churches or nonprofits. The land is already, they find out after, zoned to be a church. Gee, how lucky. How fortunate that I rolled the dice and they came up sevens. No. Who knows what I was saying when I was praying in tongues. But I'm making a decision. This is not going to be a dry year. I am taking the actions that God said to take. To not see what the world is going to bring me. Not see what the year is going to bring me. I am telling the earth, you are going to bring me this year. You're going to yield your harvest. You're going to do what God told you to do. It's going to be how God said, I take it by force. The kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent lay hold to it. Lay hold to it. It. Lay hold to it in your prayer. Somebody say, take it by force. So how do, how do we take it by force? Fasting and prayer. We do a spiritual battle. We don't go take land. I didn't wrestle the 24.8 acres away from the owners and invoke squatters' rights. You take it by force, by spiritual force. Somebody say spiritual force. I don't even think people believe there is spiritual force. Everything's natural. You know, if Paul was a modern believer, he'd have have said to Barnabas, do you have the number of our attorney? They They bypassed the whole thing. They prayed and sang praises unto God. And some type of spiritual force was released that shook the prison. It doesn't say, and they felt, they felt the prison shake. No, all the prisoners heard them. The chains of every prisoner fell off and every prison door was open. Spiritual force. When Moses walked into Pharaoh's chambers and said, let my people go, he didn't have an appointment. He should have had his head taken off. The story should read like this. And Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh had his guards lop Moses' head off that day and he was dead. You don't walk in there and talk to him like that. It'd be like walking into Kim Jong-un's quarters and giving him orders. Somebody, they're not bound by any kind of rule of law. They're in charge. They are the dictator there, and everybody answers to them. But somehow, Pharaoh knew he was dealing with a different power than just one man that was there. And I tell you in the name of Jesus, this year called 2024, everyone, your friends, your enemies, demons, everybody's going to know. You might look like everybody else, but you're not like everybody else. You are a born again, blood washed, Holy Ghost filled child of the Most High God. Since the five spiritual challenges... Catch this part. Since the five spiritual challenges of this age that Jesus told of, holiness basically deals with four of the five. Iniquity shall abound. Jesus said, before I come back, these are the problems you're going to have to contend with. Iniquity will abound. 
the kind the world never knew before, outbreak of sin, where men have a vision to become women and where technology is helping them become one. Iniquity will abound. Forever inventing new ways of sinning. Holiness deals with that. I'm not going that way. Number two, the love of many shall wax cold. And what does sin do? How, do, how does people love die? Sin. Sin destroys spiritual fervor. So holiness solves that one. Number three, the faith of many shall fail. That's what Jesus said. Many that had faith, their faith will fail. Peter, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. They let it fail. There was a failure. The fire deals with that. Timothy, I thank God that the same unfeigned faith that was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice is now in you. Now stir up on the inside of you the gift that came on the inside of you when I laid my hands on you. Five challenges of this age. Number four, many deceivers and false teachers shall arise. You know what? This actually deals with all five. When the fire's in you, you can spot false doctrine. It's like a red. My mother told me when she got saved in the 70s in the Jesus movement, she, one of her friends, because like there was a movement going on and then the devil had a counter movement. So all kinds of like other religions were rising up. So they took my mother to, to a Jehovah's Witness thing. You know, they had the same Bible, looked like a church. She, she had been saved like a few weeks. She said the whole time the guy was teaching, it was like a siren was going off against her. No. And then she heard something say on the inside of her, don't ever come back here again. And then the Lord directed her to the right church to go to. And out I came a few years later as she married a preacher. See, when you're full of the fire, you can't be deceived. When Dr. Fauci gave his first speech about how they were going to shut churches down, as soon as he was talking, I was thinking, I don't know why. I don't like him. Number two, I don't believe him. As I'm thinking that, my Uncle Ted called me. He said, are you watching this? I said, yeah. He said, what do you think about it? I said, what do you think about it? He said, I don't know other than I know that guy has a lying spirit. They're not just going to lock down for 15 days. My Uncle Ted told me that right then. This guy is not speaking by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yeah, you know. So it'll guard you against false teachers. Hey, do you know about crystals? I do. I don't like them. I don't even like crystal light. I like sugar. Did you ever hear about the guy that made the crystals? His name is Jehovah. You can bypass the things that were made and go straight to the maker. Can you say amen? And number five, many shall be offended and give up on God. In this hour, many will be offended. Many will turn back. Many that had the fire, the fire will go out and they'll miss it. But say it out loud, that'll never be me. What does the fire do? Number two, Weakness is swallowed up in his strength. I don't speak clearly. God, the things you're asking me to do, I'm, I'm 80 years old. I can't do it. Then you watch all these guys leave the presence of God after giving him their little speech about how they can't do it. And then they just go do with ease the thing they said they couldn't do at all. Your weakness is swallowed up in God's strength. Stop confessing your weakness. Start confessing what God said. I thank you that you're with me till the end of the world. And you're not with me just to be with me. You're with me to deliver me. You're with me to give me good success. 
Your life is not going to be determined by your physical weakness. God deliberately chose the things that this world calls weak in order to shame those that are powerful that no man would ever glory in his presence. There will be no physical limitation, no earthly limitation, no socioeconomic limitation that will stop you in 2024. Your life is going to be a testament and a billboard that when God is with you, you go straight to the top. Number three. What happens when you have an encounter with the fire, when you encounter God in his power? Number three, you know the future. I'm going to send you into Pharaoh. He's going to tell you this. You respond this way, and that's how it'll work. You don't even have to try to know the future. You don't have to be a prophet. When you spend time with God because he knows everything, you just start knowing things you didn't know. My Uncle Ted called me up during that lockdown. He said, Texas and Florida are going to be the first two states to open up. Start preaching down there. By the time you finish preaching down there, others will start to open and then just work your way up from there. And I followed his plan. Stand with Pastor Rodney. Uh, I was outside of Houston for a meeting. Never missed a beat. God knows the end from the beginning. You know, how do you have a, how do you have a 67-year-old guy in West Virginia tell you which states are going to open up first? Knows everything by, by, by the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Was Abraham a prophet? No. He was a cattle rancher. He was not a priest. He was not a prophet. But he was God's friend. And God said, shall I do something like this without telling not my prophet Abraham, my friend Abraham? You know, every once in a while, court cases come out where you find out a United States diplomat has a mistress in China or a Chinese mistress who's actually still with the Chinese government or a Russian mistress or a Colombian, whatever. And they find out that that woman knows all kinds of secrets about the U.S. government because a man who's close with someone tells them secrets. When you spend time with people, you confide in them. When you spend time in God's presence, I will show you things that are to come. And that puts you at a severe advantage. No, that's not how that's going to happen. It's going to go like this, 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 and this. I see it happening right now. Anybody watch when I had my Uncle Ted on with me a couple, right before the new year started? You know, he was just teaching. And he kept looking over at me and telling me things God was going to do. He sent me a text message uh, in October. I was praying this morning and the Lord told me to let you know to start making plans of what you would do with $40 million a year. Because he's taking you to that level now. That sounded, if you had told me that three years ago, I, just wrote, I think my Uncle Ted needs help. <laughs> but it's, it's headed there anyway. Our, our income has been about six to eight to nine times whatever we gave the year before. And we gave 6.3 million last year. So 40 million would be right in keeping with that, even though there's no way for it to happen in the natural. But I don't live in the natural. You don't live in the natural. That's why I don't care. I'm telling you, I do a news program on an actual news channel and I don't care about the news. I don't care. It can affect me. I might listen to it so I can preach on something that piques people's interest. There's nobody in Yemen that can affect my destiny. There's nobody in Washington, D.C. that can affect my destiny. There's nobody in the World Economic Forum. There's nobody anywhere that can do one thing to even slow me down. The Bible tells you if every man is is for you, but God is against you, read it. You're a dead man. 
But if every man is against you, but God before you, if God before you, who can be against you? In other words, if everybody's making plans against you, but you're with God, you're going straight to the top and there's not a thing anybody can do about it. I tell you one more time, in Texas, in Pittsburgh, you're going straight to the top. It's the path that God is blazing with you. Number three, you know the future. I knew when I was eight, I was going to be an evangelist. At 10, I went to go to my dad's meeting. I was traveling with him. I was 10. I was his son. Like, like Camila's up there against her, her will. She doesn't have any say in it. And they gave an altar call when my dad finished preaching. If you'd like to spend some time around the altar. So I went. I knew my dad was going to be a while anyway. You know, everybody wants to talk to him and needs prayer. So rather than just sit in the pew and be bored, I figured I'd, I'd pray for two or three minutes. I knelt down. I kid you not. The second my knee hit the ground. When, when you're old enough, this is the school to go to. Exploded on the inside of me. When you're old enough, this is the school you're to attend. My dad was preaching at a Bible college. So, freshman year at my high school, you had to meet with the guidance counselor and tell her what you wanted to be. What are you uh, thinking about you're going to be? I said, I'm going to be a minister. You know, it was a, it was a secular school. I'm not going to explain to her the fivefold offices of, of ministry. I said, I'm going to be a minister. Oh, like a priest, whatever helps you understand it. <laughs> I'm looking to go back to recess, not uh, have a doctrinal discussion. Well, isn't it wonderful to be so young and think you know what you want to do? You'll see how many changes will take place over the course of these four years. You, you'll have totally different interests. Just nodded my head. The Bible tells you you can't explain spiritual things to unspiritual people. I, you know, not that I, I'm happy she's unspiritual. I hope she gets saved. But I, I'm, I can't explain it. No, actually, I do know. So I come back in, senior year. What schools have you applied to? They wanted us to apply to a minimum of 60 colleges, 20 reach schools, 20 schools that were in your SAT realm, and 20 safety schools that accept anybody in case the, the other 40 didn't work out. What schools have you applied to? Zion Bible Institute. What else? That's it. That's else. <laughs> what if they don't accept you? First of all, she was unsafe. She didn't know how Bible colleges work. <laughs> if you're alive and can pay the tuition, you're in. And if you're not alive, they'll work with you. I said, no, I'll get in. It's no problem. And then what are you going to be? I said, I told you what I was going to be my freshman year. I'm going to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, she said, I've never had anybody in my 25 years here that told me what they're going to do and what college they were going to go to their freshman year, and then did it their senior year. Well, she had a second one do it, my sister. Same thing. Lord told her what she was going to do in the ministry, told her what Bible school to go to, spending time around the altar at youth camp. I will show you things that are to come. Can you say amen? amen. God will show you things that are to come. Lift your hands in your seat and close your eyes, because I don't want to just preach this as a point. Father, I pray that this year, more than any year, we see into the Spirit. And you show us things that are to come. And when we see them, we won't be stupid and not respond to it. If you tell us not to go somewhere that we have a plan to go to, we won't go. 
If you tell us to switch our plans and go somewhere where you've opened a door, we'll go. Speak to us. Don't let us be playing from behind. By the Spirit, may we always play from ahead. Can you say amen? Now with your hands lifted, if you're filled with the Spirit, just begin to pray in the Spirit and thank God that he's doing these things right now. That they're coming alive in your spirit right now. Stir up the gift that came on the inside of you in Pittsburgh. Begin to pray in the spirit. A volume of prayer, a volume of worship should go up from both sanctuaries. In Jesus' name, we've prayed and worshiped, and everybody said. And number four, what happens when you have an encounter with the fire of God? In the Old Testament, they would prophesy. In the New Testament, they began to speak with tongues. There was an abundance of prophecy in the Old Testament because that was distinctive of that dispensation. And in the New Testament, there was an abundance of tongues. The devil hates tongues. We had a lady flip out in Pittsburgh. One of the nights I was up there, she didn't flip out in the service. I got that guy Jeff sitting there with his face. People kind of hone it in. Not here. There's another guy in Pittsburgh. If you see him, he did special ops for about 20 years. Some people just have a face where, you know, it'd be a good idea to behave yourself. But then as soon as service was over, she went out in the parking lot. What was with the tongues? That's not for today. The devil hates tongues. Because that's where the powerhouse is. There's a preacher named Pastor Bob Rogers in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, Louisville's a, a gambling city. He must have picked up the language. The way he phrased it was so funny to me. He was preaching at James Morocco's church in Maui. And he said, some of you come here to this church and you enjoy the music and you enjoy Brother Morocco's passionate preaching and you put up with the tongues. And there's a lot of people like that. They'll put up with the tongues. Kenneth Hagin said that. He said, I got healed. I was a Baptist. But the Baptists wouldn't let me share my healing testimony because it violated their doctrine. So I would go on Sunday nights to the Assemblies of God Church so I could be around people that believed in healing, and I wanted to hear more about healing. I wanted to be around people that believed, you know, that, that I did get healed, and it wasn't the devil that did it. And he said, I decided to put up with the tongues and the fanaticism to be around and fellowship with people that believed in divine healing. And there's a lot of people like that now. You put up with the tongues. I just heard this week, there's a full gospel church that they, they won't put their prayer and fasting services up live on YouTube. They do it, they record it, then they edit it and put it on because they don't want anybody in the community to hear them praying in tongues. Yeah, ashamed of the Holy Ghost. It is, it is shocking to me. I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm making a point here. When I see men parading down the street as women and all the things that are, that are being openly celebrated in a parade, not that they're parading it, it's an actual parade. And there's no shame for sin. If the world is not ashamed of sin, why would I be ashamed of anything that has to do with righteousness? You know, that pastor didn't tell me, obviously, but he told somebody that was close to me. He said, we don't want people to know we speak in tongues here. That way the lost will come and we want to reach the lost. Did you buy a Bible that had Acts chapter 2 written out, ripped out of it? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How was the church birthed? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they all spoke with tongues. And when people heard the loud noise, they ran away. No. 
They came. Paul said, tongues are not a sign to the believer, but to the unbeliever. You know, now that I'm on this and my blood pressure's up, let me tell you a little bit about tongues. When you have an encounter with God in the New Testament, and we're in the New Testament, you will speak with tongues. And it's a glorious thing because you do not know what to pray for nor how you should pray, but the Spirit in you prays perfect prayers that cannot be uttered in your natural language. I could have been praying for that land, that 24.8 acres of land, I could have been praying for it when I was eight years old at, youth, at kids camp because the Holy Ghost will pray into your future. Can you say amen? My grandfather pastored for 62 years. And uh, he met a guy, he took his sons, you know, you've, seen, you've met a few of them, Ted, my dad Tiff, there's Terry in Virginia Beach and Tim in West Virginia, they're all in the ministry. So my grandfather on Saturday night before church took the boys swimming at the YMCA, let them burn off their energy. Rather than beat each other to a pulp, they could take it out on the water. And he was sitting there and there was a traveling businessman from, from Greece. And he struck up a conversation with him. And when they finished the conversation, my grandfather had convinced him you should come to church tomorrow. And he said, I will. So he, he was there, waved at my grandfather when my grandfather took the mic. A woman stood up and gave a long message in tongues. When she did, in the middle of the message, he got out of his seat and came down to the altar and started to pray and call out to God, repented and received Jesus Christ. After the service, he came up to my grandfather and said, I enjoyed this service so much. I'd like to meet that woman that's from my village. My grandfather said, brother, you're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. There's nobody from your village. No one's ever left this village. He said, no, that lady, that lady spoke Greek in my accent from my village, told me my name and, and our village that we're from, and told me in my dialect that Jesus loves you and wants you to give your life to him. That's why I came to the altar. He said, if you'd like to meet her, you can meet her. But I promise you, she's never been to Greece. She's probably never been to Philadelphia. And he met her. Are you from my village? Huh? No, honey. No. I'm from Pennsylvania. I, I, you know, they all say honey there. They all call everybody honey. No, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, how in the world did she speak that in my language? And my grandfather explained to him about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the manifestation of the Spirit. Tongues are not a sign to the believer. They're a sign to the unbeliever. You know, as much as I'm preaching this right now, it's new and fresh to me because I thought, in my, in my head, which is why I don't go by my head. I go by my, my spirit. I thought, oh, great. This guy has come to his first church service ever. He runs an automotive shop. He's a regular guy. And we're going to be praying in tongues for an hour. He's going to think we're nuts. You know, this is like if somebody's a vegan, having them eat a 40-ounce prime rib, medium rare. There should be steps that work up to it. This guy's going to, if he even stays, I'll be stunned. He stayed. I was happy. I thought that was a victory. Then when I called everybody to the altar and everyone was praying, to my shock, I turned around and he, he's not in the back going like this. He's at the front like this. Then we get the text message. He text messaged a construction worker that he knows that goes to our church. I've never been in anything like that. I've never felt an energy like that. They don't know theological words. Brother, it's not energy. It's the anointing. To them, it's energy. 
I've never felt an energy like that. And my hand, when I woke up this morning, is completely well. You know what he wrote in the text message? I can only attribute it to the energy that was there last night. I want to be a part of that faith community. Who do you know the word church? I want to be a part of that faith community for the rest of my life. He was back the next night, gave his testimony. We don't need less of the Holy Ghost. If there's going to be more sin, we don't need to turn the fire down. We need to turn the fire up. You've heard me say it on the screen when I wasn't here. I probably said it when I was here. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire, I would make that prayer point number one. Peter, before Peter could do anything, he needed to have that. You remember, Lord, use me to win Jerusalem. He didn't ever want anyone. He couldn't even confess Jesus to a girl at a campfire. But after he got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, he went on the warpath. Jerking crippled people to their feet, telling the council, let me just plainly state so there's no confusion. We would rather please God rather than you. Beat our backs, do whatever you want. We will not stop teaching and telling the wonderful things we've seen and heard. And a guy that denied Christ three times to girls gets beaten. And the Bible says in Acts 5.41, what was their reaction? And they praised God that they were counted worthy to suffer the reproach of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That doesn't sound like the same man. You want to know why? That wasn't the same man. The Bible says that when the oil was poured on Saul by the prophet Samuel, Saul was turned into another man. I could sum up all four of these points I gave you in one sentence. The fire of God will turn you into another man. Your weakness swallowed up by divine strength. Your inability overflowing with God's ability. The fire will turn you in to another woman. It'll take you off the keep me in prayer list, and it'll put you on the list of people that the devil knows. Peter I know, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? But I'm not on the who are you list. Neither are you. Revival Today Church, you're on the list that Satan knows. Don't touch those people. Get out of their way. They don't just know about God. They carry God. They don't just know about the fire. They're filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.